He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Welcome to Surviving to Thriving, a weekly podcast where we talk about just that. So we help earthlings find a natural, connected path through life by following the sacred wheel. I'm Laura Giles, and we have a guest today, Amanda Cates. Amanda is an author, coach, and kinesiologist from Australia. I was captivated by her story because it reflects a lot of what I'm seeing today, and I want you all to hear about it from her. So welcome, Amanda. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I've been so excited to chat to you. So looking forward to talking. Sure. So um, as I said, I really want to share your journey because much of what you say is also what I see in my life and professional practice. And I think we're all mirrors for each other. And I'm hoping that by you sharing your story, it may help someone else to get to a point of healing. And there's Mm. many things on your website that stood out to me. One of the things is that I love that you're so vulnerable and put your story out there. Um, I, which I think is kind of rare. Uh, can you share a little bit about where that courage came from? It's interesting. A few people have actually said that to me and I, from my perspective, it doesn't feel courageous at all. It's just what I have to do. There's no other choice because I hated what I went through. I thought it was mind blowing. When I first found out I was in an abusive relationship and that wasn't what other people went through. It was like, oh, how did I get this so wrong? Because I thought that was normal. My normal was normal. And as I went through that journey of learning about kinesiology, and then that led me into, that was the door, I guess, that opened to lead me into I guess, spirituality and the mind, body, spirit connection and how everything is intertwined and interlinked. And like, it was just this portal into a whole new world. And I found these levels of healing that I didn't even know that I needed. I didn't even know were out there. It was, and so the courage for me isn't necessarily courage. It is this strong desire to, have other people not have to get so sick, so beaten down, so full of self-hatred that they get to a place that I got to. Well, did you have any shame? Because that's that's where the courage is coming from. I think a lot of people have experiences and they just get so overcome with shame. There's like, there's no way that I could ever tell anybody about this. Look, there was a lot of shame. I mean, most of my self-talk was, you know, I am, (laughs) I'm stupid, I'm, you know, ugly, I'm fat, I'm all of these things that I'd been shamed about that I took on as my own. 
you know, um, as a child, I was a prolific writer and I loved writing stories and my mum thought they were funny. So she'd bring them out and read them out to people and everyone would have a good laugh. And I'd feel ashamed about that. And, you know, putting a book out there and not having my parents in the room was just this massive, I guess, step forward because I'm going, I haven't been writing for over 30 years because I was shamed for that. And I took that on as, you know, I'd then, if I did write, I knew it was good, but I'd keep it hidden or I wouldn't show mum and dad or I'd, you know, there was, there was this protective element of what I was doing. And so I had all of this stuff inside me that again, I felt I was wrong for doing and that I felt I wasn't good enough at and, my sister was incredibly intelligent. So again, she was the smart, funny, pretty one. She was the one everybody liked. So of course I gave myself then the opposite labels, even though they were only often implied, Mm. I still took those on as my own. I was then the ugly, fat, stupid one who, you know, could never live up to her sister. And, you know, I'd never got really given those labels, but I took them. And so then with my relationships, it kind of went down that same way. So there was a lot of shame of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. And all the other things that went on in my head. The big thing for me is that whilst I was my own biggest self abuser, it was okay for anyone else to level any type of abuse at me because I would basically just lay down and take it because I was actually my own biggest abuser in my head. And that was one of my biggest awarenesses and my biggest moving forwards, I guess, in healing was going, holy crap. Like nothing anybody said to me was going to be as bad as what I was saying to myself in my head. And then it got to this point, I remember reading an article and it was the stupidest article it was one of those clickbait type things that we didn't have clickbait back then because this was pre that. Um, (laughs) But my daughter must have been, well, I was about 32. So that's 13 years ago. And I read this article and it said that women around the age of 32, 33 are at their sexiest. And it was one of those that basically said, you know, they've kind of come out of that insecurity of the twenties and they're heading into this, you know, uh, I can't remember all of it, but I remembered reading that bit going, I am in my prime. I have two beautiful young children and every day I am treated like I'm nothing. And so I'd start picking up my ex-husband when he'd say those things to me. So he'd say something and I'd go, you actually treat me like I'm a piece of shit on the bottom of your shoe. It's like you've stepped in dog poo and you're trying to scrape me off. Said, if you speak to people at work like this, I don't think you'd last very long. So I hope it's just me that you speak to in this way, you know, and I'd start to challenge and push back. And that's really naturally where our marriage started to fall apart because I was no longer taking that abuse. This, this level had shifted from me being my own biggest abuser to me starting to question it. What was there? How did you know? You know, let me, let me stop this thing. Mm. I don't think it was ever this um, conscious thing. It was just if I am in the prime of my life and I'm being treated like I'm not and 
I'd start to, I started to look at myself a bit closer going, you know, I'm not an, like a dog ugly human being. I'm, I'm actually, you know, and I don't think anybody is, everybody has some form of beauty within them. And I guess I just started to question, is this true? Is what he's saying to me true? And I started saying things like I'd start recognizing the changing goalposts and I'd say to him, you know, one day this is perfect. And then I do it today. And it's like, I've, you know, made the gravest sin and the gravest error. And then, you know, then the next day I'd do something else and it would be amazing. And then the next day I'd do the same thing and it would be again, the worst thing ever. And it would unleash this tirade of abuse. And I'd be like, and I'd say to him, I never know what to do for you because it's always changing goalposts. And it was just little comments that started coming in as I was questioning, hang on, is this right? Is this true? Is this my, I guess, um, experience of what's going on here? And it was those small little questions that I guess grew over time. And this started at 32. In my 35th year, it was the most toxic year of my marriage it was disgusting it was horrible and at the beginning of 2016 is when I left and so it was a process of going through this time so I left just before I turned 37 and that time between 32 and 37 or 36 was really just me pushing a little bit more and a little bit more and questioning more and questioning more and questioning more of what was going on and why he was saying those things. And of course, now I have the language for it. He was narcissistic. I can see that. And that was part of the game. Yeah. I didn't recognize it because that was my normal. That was my normal to be the mouse in the cat and mouse game. And, you know, we would have an argument. He'd ask me my opinion on something and I'd tell it. And he would question me, question me and question me and question me until I was literally in tears. Mm -hmm. And then he'd go, I've agreed with you all along. I was just playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. And so in certain ways, there was almost this sociopathic type behavior of it of of batting the mouse and batting the mouse and let's have a little game here and let's have a little game oh look i broke her oh whoops (laughs) let's try again tomorrow and see what the game is and so there was this there was this stuff that i guess started to awaken in me of going this isn't normal this doesn't feel normal and it took a few really brave people and me talking, I guess, about some of the things I was learning in my healing. I remember one of them um, was my my first kinesiologist. She said to me in my very first session, which was at the beginning, it was 24th of April, actually. So in 2015, so gosh, what's that? Nearly eight years ago now. Um, And she said to me at the time, you have no idea how emotionally abused you are, do you? Wow. It took me four months to then see the biggest abuser in my life. I'd seen it in other relationships and I went, oh, my God, I see it now. And then it took me another four months to leave the marriage. But six months after that first kinesiology session, I was sitting in the classroom learning how to be a kinesiologist because I was like, oh, my God, this has changed my life. 
completely and utterly. But I guess even before that, I'd been through all of these health issues. I had chronic fatigue, which was just my nervous system being wound so tightly that that it had to go somewhere. It had to explode and it came out in chronic fatigue. And so again, I was going, I am exhausted. And he'd say, everybody else just gets tired. You're always exhausted. It's always worse for you. And it took four professionals telling me I had chronic fatigue before he'd believe me. But again, the doctors were saying, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Here's these blood tests. They're all normal. It wasn't until I started seeing natural therapists because I was going, there's got to be an answer out here. And it was a chiropractor, a Chinese doctor, my kinesiologist and somebody else that I'd been seeing. I can't even remember who now. All of them said, you've got chronic fatigue. And I was like, oh, again, my tiredness, my exhaustion, my body aches and pains were my normal. And so I didn't know until they told me and I'm going, oh, this is why I'm not you know, sleeping well, because I was in that wired and tired adrenal state. This is why I'm, you know, putting on weight, even though I'm not eating anything differently. I'm still exercising like this is crazy. So there's all these things that just started to come to light that I'm going, this isn't normal. And I didn't know to question them. And it was mind blowing. So what got you looking for alternative or natural medicines, just not finding the answers? not find any answers and i think the thing that pushed me over the edge i seem to need these massive like slap downs from the universe to to really sort of i guess heed the call so to speak i'd been getting these nudges in my late 20s oh sorry i got them in my late teens i suppressed them because my parents thought it was all the occult and evil and because they're coming from the church so you know there was that conditioning of you you can't look at astrology and all of these things because it's all witchcraft and the devil's work and all of this kind of stuff so I suppressed all of it then and then I kind of got little you know blips in my 20s where I'd get curious and then I'm like no that's not what we do that's not the type of people that we are and so I'd suppress it again but then these callings were getting so loud from around that time at 32 33 where I just started questioning why that was this divine guidance pushing me down the path now if I listened then I'm sure I probably wouldn't have gotten as sick as I did but you know sometimes we need a big slap to do that real really big awakening and I was suffering for about 13 to 14 days a month with my menstrual cycle so I had yeah I had six days when I was ovulating and seven days of bleed where I had premenstrual symptoms I had cramps sore boobs you name it I had it I was moody and just all of the things so I went to see a gynecologist because again nothing was working and I listed all the things that I tried all the different pills but I couldn't be on the pill and I couldn't be on the like the implant thing and like all of these different things just weren't working. I'd had the coil and he said, we've tried everything for you. You know, you've, you've ticked all the boxes. So you're too young for a hysterectomy. There's nothing more we can do. So here's some antidepressants because, you know, I guess the same way that we don't just use the pill for, um, you know, birth control, we use it for other things as well. You know, they'll probably work. And there was this bit in me that when, you're kidding me. It felt like such a brush off. Yeah. And I was like, you are joking, aren't you? That's the only thing you got for me. And 
I just happened to have a naturopath that I went to the gym with and I'd been talking to her and I went, I've got to try it. And she was the one who, you know, she got me off gluten. And then I started seeing a chiropractor and I was, you know, it was the first time in my life since I was about 16 that I didn't have back pain. Wow. So I'd, I'd had back pain for 30 something <laughs> years. And I remember walking through, I, I remember actually after my first session, I went to my children's karate class and I was sitting there going, oh my God, there's nothing there. Like there's nothing there. I can't feel the middle of my back. And there was this, you know, <laughs> amazement in me because I was actually pain free and I hadn't realized again you get so used to your normal. I knew when it was really bad because I couldn't move as well and all of that, but with it gone, it was going, this is this whole new world. (laughs) So you you really did a whole life overall, sounds like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did all the things. (laughs) I saw on your YouTube, you were talking about... um, you were talking about the fall equinox and it's spring here. I was like, oh, is this an old post? And then I realized, oh, well, she's in yeah. Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you're even kind of paying attention to the moon and the the, the earth cycles and everything. Yeah. That's just drastic overhaul, I think. <laughs> oh, look, I think it's just so fascinating when you realize that we are cyclical creatures and we don't pay attention to our cycles. And again, when you look at the pill, for example, it keeps us in the masculine phase of our bleeding cycle the whole month. And again, there was me suffering for 13 days a month. So basically in hibernation for two weeks of the month and only experiencing either basically spring or winter in terms of my menstrual cycle. It It was a bit crazy really. And then to learn that the cycles affect our body. So I started, I go to a um, moon networking group here, uh, which is called Lunar Life. And we cycle our business with the moon. So we just set our intentions, we do our releases. And doing all of those cycles has made such a difference in my life, honouring the the passing of the year, honouring the passing of the moon. And then, because it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And that's what blows me away. And the more I learn and the more I know, the less I realize I know and the more I know that I have to learn and the more I actually know, I will never know. And that's what I think blows my mind the most about all of this. (laughs) So kinesiology, was that your, um, was that the big thing that helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I've tried any modality that I hear about that I haven't tried yet. I usually go out and try um, because I'm just curious. <laughs> and, and I used to, I mean, either in my biggest year of healing, it was 2017 and I saw about five or six different kinesiologists because I was trying the different ways that people worked. So in my own healing journey, I had my regular sort of two that I'd go to, but then I had another probably four, maybe even five that I tried as well with their healing styles and sessions. And I did seven, uh, what was it? The equivalent of 26 weekends worth of school. So again, when you're at school, you're doing the balancing and you're being balanced as you're learning. And so I shifted a mountain of stuff and I was going through the biggest part of my divorce then as well. So I was learning all about the abuse that I'd been through because I hadn't realized 
I'd be the demonstration at the front of the class and something would come up and you'd see everybody's face in the class go, what? Like, <laughs> and then I'd be going, oh, is that not normal? And people are like, no, that's not normal. <laughs> and so I was constantly getting these things that I hadn't realised were problems being highlighted to me as this really abnormal situation to be in and I was going oh okay so I felt like I was learning how to human for the first time ever it was this oh okay so I haven't actually been doing this like human thing properly yet and even when it came to our we do sections on so many different things in kinesiology we touch on so many different modalities and one of it was about behavior profiling and just looking at and all of that stuff and the language and the assertive versus aggressive versus passive aggressive versus passive communication styles and i'm going oh now i understand what passive aggressive is i get it oh that's just the way that people in my life communicate oh okay i understand this now (laughs) and it was just this You know, all of these lights were being turned on. And as I say, for me, kinesiology was just the doorway that opened. It was the modality that I found that spoke to me, I think because it touched on so many other modalities. It went into the sciencey aspect. It went into that more what people consider the woo-woo aspect, which isn't that far from science, funnily enough. It's just things that we can measure less. And it covered this whole spectrum. And then from there, I found authors and books and courses and all of these different people who were talking about this you know quantum physics well what's this oh my god that all makes sense this is how the universe works and learning about that kind of thing and learning about you know the spirituality and how you know we are all one and all of these ideas that just felt like me remembering Mm, yeah it wasn't me learning and people couldn't understand how I picked up kinesiology so easily, but I wasn't learning it. I was remembering. It was like, I know how to do this. And that was amazing. So who are your clients? Are they people like you? Are they people, you know, who, who didn't, don't know anything about that holistic stuff? Are they looking at it as witchcraft or who comes to you? Do you know, it's really interesting. Um, I have such a wide range of clients and this is where I often find marketing is so challenging (laughs) because I have people who, again, I kind of talk about what I, it's complex, uh, complex trauma. And I ended up in CPTSD. So I had post-traumatic stress disorder as well for a while there. Luckily I was working with people all the way through it and I didn't actually recognize that's what it was for probably about six or 12 months after I'd I guess moved through it and come out of it wow and so but looking back I was going oh my god now I understand what I was in and why I was struggling and why I lost a lot of friends in that time they couldn't cope with with the energy that was coming off me and the outbursts and the you know the questioning and the you know all of this stuff now that I understand that's what it was it makes complete and utter sense to as to what I was doing but there was just so many 
strings to the bow. So I get a lot of people who are in that space. I get a lot of people who are struggling with relationships, um, either finding new relationships after, you know, divorce or separation, or who are looking to welcome in those partners. I also deal with business people and entrepreneurs to increase their vibration around money and success and, you know, really changing those ideas from that patriarchal norm of comparison and power over and, you know, all of that side of things into the more quantum realm of vibration and frequency and tuning them up to that. You know, I've just finished work or I'm just about to finish working with a person who is leaving their corporate job and going and setting up their own health coaching business. And so there's just such a wide range. And I think that's what I love about it so much is that there, there isn't much kinesiology can't help with. It's about that mind, body, spirit connection. And it works, I guess, from my background, they're all the things that I've kind of worked through. It's also mothers going through these changing transitions in their lives of going from what I call mother the verb of doing the mothering into being mum and going through that transition and all of those different transitions that women go through over their time. Um, so it it's so wide and varied and I think that's just what I love about it. It's like being a detective. <laughs> you have a good point because it is hard to market because I think in the, the Western masculine world, everything's so compartmentalized. And if you have a heart problem, you go to a heart doctor. If you have yeah. a, foot, you a foot doctor, whereas in holistic, it is a mind, body, spirit. would mm. see any holistic practitioner and that modality is good for hundreds of people. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think it's it's more about, and, and this is what I say to people a lot, is it's actually more about finding the practitioner that you resonate with. Yes. And so most people will spend more time researching the new car they're going to get than they do researching someone who's working with them on their physical, mental and emotional health. Yeah. And once I got that realisation, I was a bit like, whoa, that's pretty insane actually. And so I tell people, take advantage of the free 20-minute calls that most people, you know, offer. Ring people. Even if they don't have a free 20-minute call, give them a call. Speak to them. See if you resonate. See if it feels like you're going to be safe, you're going to be held, you're going to be loved through the process. Make sure that these are people who are going to be able to create that safe container for your healing. Because if you get that, then the rest will unfold. That's right. Yeah. Mm. So you talked about a book earlier. Tell us about your book. Yeah, so I um, am author of Divine Messy Human, A Spiritual Guide to Prioritizing Internal Truth Over External Influence. So it really is the tools and techniques that I used to move from one thing to the other. So there is a bit of theory in there. There is a bit of the science behind it. There is a bit of, you know, my story. There's not a lot of that in there because most of the time I've chosen the best example for, you know, what I'm writing about. So sometimes there's client stories, there's a few exercises in there, there's a few journal prompts in there so that people can kind of work through some of the stuff on their own and see what's sitting there. Um, and it was just that incredible process to go through of birthing this book that had been swimming in my mind for probably five years before I started even putting words to paper. And 
yeah, that in itself was the whole new healing journey of writing it. But also this idea that I had been sitting on this book for five years and there was that part of me that was beating myself up about it. You know, why can't you write it? You know, it's in there. You've just got to get it out. And there was a bit of that talk. But something happened at the beginning of that year that was another massive healing opportunity for me. And I needed the time to work through that. And I found once I'd worked through that, the book was then actually ready to come out because I had to get to a place in my healing where I was done with all of that, where it wasn't activating me in my body anymore, that I had healed to the level that I could tell the parts of my story without great, without blame, without shame, without, you know, finger pointing. It was just, uh, this is just what happened. Yeah, I think that's a huge indicator of healing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What's coming up for you next? I've got one more bit of my archetypal life coaching to go, which is amazing. So that's where I help people find their genius flow and also then their problem pattern with the archetypes so that they can then put those archetypes into their daily life and work with them to recognize when they're in flow and when they're not in flow and how do you interrupt the cycle. So it's a phenomenal process um, of really deep clearings and then finding this archetypal pattern that works beautifully for them. So I absolutely love it and I'm super excited to go and do the problem pattern side of things because even though I know my problem pattern, I need to know a little bit more about it so that I can interrupt it more easily. Um, And I'm being called into my next course again which I'm trying to put the brakes on because I promised myself I wouldn't study again this year um (laughs) because I'm always studying new things and I've gone I've got enough pieces of paper just let all this work settle but I'm really being pulled to study herbalism so who knows watch this space um I'm trying to resist And I'm really not good because I really just love learning all of this stuff about the natural world and how we work as humans and how we all intermingle us and the natural world and the universe and all of that kind of stuff. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome. So tell us your website. Where can people find it? Uh, it's amandakate.com.au and all my social links are there. So that's the easiest one-stop shop. Cool. <laughs> And if anybody's driving, then that's going to be in the show notes too. So be sure to check there. And I appreciate you so much being here and sharing your story with us. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love the work you're bringing into the world. So please keep shining your light because we need more of you. So thank you. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.